So now we have an hour left of this uh, day together and I'd just like to speak a little bit about um, you know the process of uh, deconstructing the self because the practice is all about you know deconstructing something which actually doesn't really exist but it does appear because otherwise you know we wouldn't you know we, we perceive each other we see each other I, I I'm sitting here speaking and you're sitting there you know meditating and listening so we do exist but not in the way we think we do we take it all much too real because it's the way we exist we are in permanent um, manifestation of the whole and we are processes who are constantly changing and even you know our sense organs display to us like separate entities or separate things in space in reality that's not how it is but because of the sense organs we we all share as human beings this is how it appears to be and the, pro the process of meditation is about you know deepening into reality and removing the veils of um, delusion which we project onto that reality you know this is a process which is rather mysterious because it's you know, through sitting in meditation and really connecting with our experience in the present moment this uh, truth you know reveals itself to us uh, slowly like the sun you know rising in the morning and there have been you know countless books written and teachers come and gone you know who have had different skillful means and different ways you know to point people in the right direction you know in the direction how it has worked for them and you know but the realization you know which it's pointing towards is always the same it's you know to realize the truth of of non-separation to realize the truth that this is all a whole huge process and we are impermanent you know manifestation within that process and through you know being mindful of our experience in the present moment we can slowly but surely you know sink deeper into that and become aware of this truth and for, we can do a little exercise you know to give you a little idea about this put your hands together like this and I'm closing your eyes and then if I would ask you you know where are your hands because if your eyes closed you're just sensing what you're sensing is not your hands but you have the experience of warmth pressure tingling maybe a little bit you know sweatiness maybe a little bit of pain in the upper arms pressure on the chair on the cushion the sounds the wetness in your mouth all of those different sensations but actually hand you don't experience hand hand is just a concept you know which we put on top of the 
sensations there which we are feeling somewhere about in the head of our, our chest right now. But they are not real hands. So what are they? So this is a way you know how meditation works really. Please put your hands down. And you're conventionally speaking, we do have hands, of course, because otherwise you wouldn't have been able you know, to follow my instructions when I say, take up your hands, that's what you do. Because we're all taught, you know, this is hands. In English, it's hands. In German, it's hand. And there's so many different you know, languages. Sure. What? Sure. That's we Welsh. <laughs> Very weird language indeed. <laughs> <laughs> So there's all of those different languages, Mu in Thai, for example. There's all of these different languages, you know, as conventional means of, of communication, you know, skillful means, but they really are not depicting what that really is. And before, you know, when I was guiding you to kind of sense what it is, that's what it is. But then when I was speaking about it, say it's warmth and it's pressure and it's sweatiness, that's also words again. You know, and words are, are pointers. And the teachings which we are giving are pointers, you know, which we have received from our teachers and they have <coughs> helped. And so we pass them on, you know, and but if you are not looking in the direction the pointers are pointing, it's kind of pointless. <laughs> so that's really very important. You know, we have to really look. And this is actually where the resistance lies, you know. People are very happily collecting lots of pointers because, you know, it's interesting and we can compare and it's exciting and, you know, stimulating and so on and so forth. But then looking into the directions the pointers point, we, what we meet is often a lot of resistance because we meet feelings and that's what is the key, you know, to, to liberation, as Ayananda Bodhi said earlier on, to, you know, to develop the capacity to feel. Because that's something which is not easy to do, can be very scary, really. And, you know, we don't have much guidance in our upbringing to, you know, that, that somebody says to us, you know, it's okay to feel and it's okay to feel unpleasant feeling. You know, we are we're living in a way where, you know, everything is geared towards, you know, relieving us from unpleasant feeling and, you know, going out and, you know, there are so much things you can buy out there in order to make you feel better. That we don't have much, you know, uh, conditioning in that way that, you know, that encourages us to to develop that capacity to feel and to see that as an asset really for living a life which is more balanced and which can bring us more wisdom and compassion because you know if we are able to open up to feeling fully and uh, receive our experience directly this is the way you know towards realizing non-separation because usually you know we, we tend to run after pleasant feeling and turn away from unpleasant feeling and you know be quite unaware of neutral feeling and getting caught up in distraction you know getting caught up in 
stories and they are often and most often it's just a collection of past experiences which we then you know project onto the present and therefore you know we recreate the past in the future and on and on it goes and, and meditation is a you know a skillful means or a technology which helps us to you know to go underneath the stories but when we go underneath the stories what we meet is feelings and this is then you know where we often come back into the stories because it's much easier we are used to the stories we are not used to the feelings and then you know we develop a whole like a body armor you know which maybe over lifetimes developing you know kind of a certain pattern of contracting against feelings and then for example qigong or yoga or other exercises they can help us you know to lighten that up to bring you know some move the chi so and if we start moving that then what we receive is feelings and it's often like a kind of a relief really to get the energy moving again to kind of loosen up and you know as i said before to allow the feelings which are arising to allow the emotions you know which are moving through our system to allow them to open us up rather than shutting down on them and you know posture is, is a very important uh, ingredient for that so you know whenever you know we feel you know resistance towards something we immediately it represents itself in the body by kind of tightening up and maybe like bending a little bit over tightening in the shoulders tightening in the jaw I mean you can you can observe that and then when you feel that's coming on to just kind of going against it you know just by opening up opening up the chest and then the energy moves through more freely and that's something you know which if we don't have any instructions it's sometimes not so easy to tolerate you know that that movement that life force, especially in a, in a culture which doesn't encourage it, in a culture which encourages distraction and, you know, a lot of doing and doing and doing and not, not being. You know, a culture which is kind of, you know, a little bit ridiculing feeling. and you know not encouraging it and you know not honoring that capacity you know which is kind of a feminine quality in both genders of course or in all genders there's many more genders than two I've learned since I'm here but you know the, the feminine principle which is you know the spaciousness and the capacity to feel is kind of not really encouraged as much as the the masculine quality of of um, giving form and giving shape and uh, those two have to be in balance otherwise you know our practice becomes brittle and dry and you know we don't have the access to the, to the life force to the creative life energy which 
you know, is able to, it takes us further in our practice. You know, we need that, that energy, otherwise we, we get stuck. So I appreciate it very much, you know, Isabelita's instructions. I could really feel how the energy was starting to, to show itself. You know, it is there, even I can't, sometimes I can't feel it, but doing some of those exercises, I could, I could feel the tingling, I could see, it's just there, you know, it's not far, I don't have to go anywhere, it's all there, but I'm kind of cut off from it, because I haven't, you know, learned to keep it close, because I've rather learned to pay attention to other things. And I've brought a, a quote from a well-known uh, Zen master. His name is Dogen, and he lived in the 12th century. And he was the founder of Soto Zen. And he said, to study the Buddha way is to study the self. <coughs> and to study the self is to forget the self. And to forget the self is to be enlightened by all things. When enlightened by all things, your body and mind, as well the body and mind of others, drop away. So, you know, to study the Buddha way is to study the self. So, you know, to sit in meditation and, and uh, observe what's happening in the present moment is, you know, we are seeing thoughts arising and ceasing, feelings arising and ceasing, sounds, sensations, smells, tastes, touches. That's a way to study the self. And then, you know, through thoroughly studying the self, we, we become aware of impermanence and unsatisfactoriness. And we become aware that this is actually not, you know, a separate thing in space, but this is a process which is constantly changing. And through that, you know, we start to forget the self as we previously thought it exists. We start to forget the self as a separate entity. And then, you know, through, and it's not a, a, for, a willful forgetting, but it's just the self as we have known it before starts to disintegrate. And what reveals itself is a much bigger process. So to forget the self is to be enlightened by all things. You know, if we start to look through that delusion of self, which doesn't really exist, but which just appears to exist, so that, you know, we can then extrapolate that insight onto all things. And you know, for example, in the, if you have a torch light in the night, you know, if you go outside and then you do like this with a torch, you, it appears to be like a, a circle of light. But as you know very well, you know, that circle of light is just an optical illusion because of the speed of the movement. And, you know, you could say, uh, the appearance of, you know, my body sitting here, your body sitting there, it's, it works in the same way. It's, a, it's an illusion in the sense that 
it is just an impermanent manifestation of the whole, just like that circle of light. But because the process is much slower what, what our sense organs can meet, this is just how it is. We have to really go into the depths to connect with that, with that truth. Or like another example was, you know, when I was asking you to put your hands together, that is the same, you know. Once you, you feel that this is a, these hands, you know, which appear to be a thing, two things, let's say. You know, when you put your hands together, you can feel this is just not uh, unchanging thing. This is a, a process and you can feel it. You can really feel it. So, and when enlightened by all things, your body and mind, as well as the body and mind of others, drop away. I mean, they don't drop away on a conventional level because, you know, I can still, I can see you, you can see me, I can see myself. But I then know through my own experience, through the meditation, I know this is only part of a partial truth. This is only a conventional truth, which is, you know, very important in, in daily life, but in reality, there is much more to it. And, you know, the meditation is, is a skillful means to try us, to help us, you know, to find, uh, find a balance between the conventional appearances and reality itself. So if we get to, you know, to, to bound up with the conventional appearances with our, you know, if too caught up with our lives, too caught up with, uh, you know, what we want and what we don't want. If we go into the depths and see the other side of the coin, see that there is, uh, reality is very different than from what we can experience with our sense organs. We, we get a perspective on our experience. And that's, you know, when we rest in, in that knowing, we can find equanimity and we can find uh, more capacity, you know, to allow those feelings just to be what they are because we know they have a beginning, they have a middle and an end, and they are an expression of that life force. And they have information for us. And... We do have, you know, what it takes to allow them to be there and let them do their thing and let them arise and let them cease and learn from all experiences. We don't have to pick and choose experiences. And, you know, so repeating that uh, opening to the experiences and then, you know, realizing their, that their very nature is impermanence and non-stability through really having an experience of that repeatedly, we, you know, our faith in, in the practice increases. And our, our courage, you know, to be able to open up and be with it increases, you know, every time we have such an experience and we see, oh, this is really true. We need the pointers first, but then, you know, if we don't look in the direction and follow those pointers, let that experience really you know, move through us, move through awareness, then we really know for ourselves. We don't have to believe, you know, what the books say, what the teachers say, 
we know for ourselves. And that's, you know, when we bring the teaching really home into our own lives and through repetition, you know, becomes, you know, our own wisdom and compassion, we can follow back onto it. And, you know, ever more extreme challenges we can then open up to. We don't have to, quote unquote, protect ourselves from life. But we can, you know, open up to it and flow with it. And, and, you know, benefit from this deeper intelligence which we can access if we open up to it really fully. And that's what's meant, you know, with the, you know, letting go into, into this non-separation. You know, not anymore experiencing that which is quote-unquote outside myself as, as something we have to protect ourselves from. And, you know, the practice is a, is a lifelong process of, uh, you know, breaking down those different, you know, patterns of, of defense and attachment, which we have been uh, developing since a very early age. And, you know, being able to open up to so feeling is, is really the key, remembering when, you know, when we again instinctively want to turn away from an unpleasant feeling, just remembering and just opening up to it, letting it be what it is. And allowing, you know, that uh, turning towards it to open us up to a much greater truth, which is always available for us. We just have to link into it and remember it. So, you know, if there's a sense of struggle, if there's a sense of contraction, this should be like a wake-up call for us. Oh, you know, there is something going on. There is a resistance there. And then just noticing it and this noticing is enough you know it's not that we have to push ourselves to do something different but just noticing what's happening because we usually tend to go unconscious you know we, we tend to identify with the contraction and become scared become angry become this become that and then off we go you know and do this and do that and then maybe like an hour later we we wake up to it. But the point is, you know, any moment when, when the contraction arises to, to just notice it and that is enough. You know, we don't have to make ourselves to be any different from what we are, but just noticing. And that noticing itself, you know, sets the transformation into process. That is it enough. The noticing itself is the agent for, for transformation, and that's not something we have to do. We just have to allow it to happen by stay conscious of what is happening in the present moment. And this is what is not so easy. This is why there is so many teachings and so many methods and books and teachers and everything, because the you know, the capacity to stay fully present 
is something which needs and it needs training. But it, it definitely can be done because many have done it before us. And you know the most important ingredients for for this is is patient perseverance. Patience is a very important ingredients for the you know so-called holy life how it's called in the scriptures patient endurance it's not a very flamboyant quality it's a very humble quality you know uh, coming back into the present again and again as soon as you notice that you get distracted and you know this repeatedly coming back into the present moment and really connecting with our experience that's really the key for growing up and waking up because you know coming back into the present moment is waking up to the present what's happening in the present and through being fully in the present we are becoming aware you know what's going on and that informs us in the way that we are growing up we are maturing you know our faculties maturing the heart maturing our wisdom and compassion through being you know with the way things really are rather than with our projections that's you know how wisdom can be cultivated and compassion we get to know how we are ourselves quote unquote how we are working and through that we get to know how other people are working we are very very similar you know we share this human birth we have a lot and lot in common we have different personalities but you know the laws of nature work the same for all of us just there's different facets but we have a lot in common you know and through this this learning process of getting to know ourselves better we get to know our others better and that's a maturing, you know, of the personality. And at the same time, you know, if the personality, if we have more psychological maturity, we have much more capacity, you know, to be, to stay awake in the present moment because there's much less need, you know, to think about me and myself. There's much less uh, contracting there. There's more openness and more capacity you know to just be and flow with life as it as as we meet it so the waking up and the growing up they go hand in hand together and you know at the end of the uh, qigong isabelita was guiding us in a, a gratitude a little prayer gratitude prayer and gratitude is really a very powerful way you know to open up to the bigger whole we are living in we are flowing with and gratitude is a way how we can you know let go of the contraction and let go of the delusion you know that we are separate from everything else It's a, it's a very good way to to connect and you know bring to mind and bring to heart our interdependence with everything there is you know 
when we are eating today there's a lot of different elements that we've been taking into our body and it sustains our body and you know helps us to stay healthy have energy and that breathing in the air then receiving instructions what we passing on instructions we have received from others and the Qigong instructions passed down over many, many generations of teachers. And then we can use this building here, you know, Rick and Muriel make it available for us and people have built that building and, you know, the electricity, who knows where it's coming from, from Yosemite or somewhere. So that we are incredibly interconnected with all there is. And you know to be to to kind of open ourselves to that truth that can really help us, you know, to dif to disintegrate that notion of being a a separate entity, you know, which has to protect itself and which has to, you know, fight for this and ward off that. So gratitude is a very good way to bring that home, you know, this non-separation, which is the way things really are. You know, and nowadays we live in a, in a world which is very interconnected, you know, with, with what's called the internet and, and so on and so forth. So we're becoming more and more aware, you know, of we are not alone on this planet. This is like a, a huge organism and we are a little part of it. And we have to, you know, we have to catch up with that truth. We have to, you know, really open ourselves to that truth and learn to live accordingly. So, you know, this practice has a lot of significance because it is vital, you know, for the transformation which needs to occur if we would like to, you know, stay on this planet for <coughs> longer. So, you know, I really very rejoice, you know, in your willingness, you know, to, to do this practice because I know it's not easy. But I think it's a very great good fortune you have met with it and you know I trust that we can learn a lot by just following those you know those guidelines which have been handed down to us for many many generations and you know, the support by doing that together as a group is is really crucial. You know, and I hope to, that you found these uh, instructions which we have been giving today helpful and that you can continue you know, with your practice when you go back home and we might see you again at another day long. Thank you for listening. 
To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.